Welcome to Let's Get Social with me, Philip Twyver, to the Curly Marketer, social media strategist and management. And me, Emer Duffy of Fit Social Media, your social media personal trainer. So if you're confused about social media or not sure what channels to use, well, we've got you covered on Let's Get Social. We're here again, Mrs. D. Where did the last week go? I know time flies when you're having fun. And there was no jokes for the week. It was great. How could you not have fun without the jokes, Seymour? But the day isn't over yet. Ah, no, it's not. I know it's not. Uh, I hope everyone is out there having a lovely Friday. Uh, the weather seems to be improving. I, I don't take it for granted. So um, I'm hoping wherever you are, it's lovely and sunny. Um, yes, time does fly, Philip, uh, when you're having fun or you're super busy. And I know our listeners like to save time. I know I try to save time, you know, when you're trying to schedule and, you know, try to engage. Sometimes social media can take a little bit of it's like a rabbit hole. Three hours later, you're going, I've got nothing else done. But I have found a couple of time saving management apps, which I I thought I'd share. Um, There are a couple out there that I know use one, but uh, you can let me know which of the three. Maybe it's one of these Um, to doist. Right. Yeah. Um, it, why use it? It's supposedly great for best overall as for work and for personal life. And it got a good rating on the App Store and Google Play. Um, toggle Track is best for work scheduling. And again, got a really good, uh, mm-hmm. you know, 4.8 uh, in the App Store out of five. And then the other one was Time Tree which I'd never heard of mm. and it's best for personal life, which I probably could do with. And that again, <laughs> got a 4.8. You have so, to have a personal life first <laughs> to, to start scheduling one. So <laughs> I know, oh, I know, I know, but uh, yeah, I'm trying, I'm trying. Um, all work and no play makes Philip a dull boy. Isn't that what they say? No, never, <laughs> never dull, Emer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but some other things are, but uh, yeah. Oh. So what do you think of those? Yeah, Todoist, I have used Todoist and I've heard of that. I haven't heard of Toggle Tracker Time Tree, but Todoist is is very, very good. Um, mm. I sometimes flip between something like that, or I might use a uh, even kind of simple, um, the iPhone notifications, you know, uh, folder, you know, or even set up uh, alerts on my Google Calendar. But Todoist is a very good app mm-hmm. if you want to keep everything very centralized and you're looking for something that's really going to help you. Okay, cool. And then you can go out and do your social media. It's very true, you know, um, yeah. you know, and certainly, you know me, I do love my apps, you know, mm-hmm. I know my favorite apps at the moment are Strava for the cycling and, oh, yeah. uh, and Zero. you know, you probably haven't heard of Zero, but I've been doing this kind of intermittent fasting for the last six, eight weeks. And uh, it that sounds eat. painful. <laughs> yeah, it's basically you, you don't eat for 16 hours and then you eat within an eight hour window. Oh God, no, I'd be grumpy. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be hangry, would you, Emer? Yeah? I would be. I, oh God, I would. I would, yeah. Yeah. But you know, uh, one thing that you, you you always need to make sure that you're you're keeping a, a lookout and keeping the time that you don't miss it, Emer, is, mm-hmm. you know what it is, it's that time again. Oh no, it's not. Oh yes, it is. It's the digital giggle. Red alert! I've got to go check out my time-saving apps here. <laughs> no, and this digital giggle is, I'm just going to warn everybody and our guests. Okay. Horrific. Horrific. Oh, great. That's just made my day. I know. But Imer, listen, you do know how much I love my hair, you know, and I do love mm-hmm. going to the gym and fitness and stuff. So I did a bit of research 
Do you know what exercise hairdressers love to do when they go to the gym? I can't remember. Um, no, no. Curls. What did you think of that? Was that on your bike you thought of that one? <laughs> I think it probably was as I was trying to escape from some dog chasing me around the road or something. So. <laughs> <laughs> you made a swift getaway. Uh, anyway, wish I could get a swift getaway. But all I have to say is if you find today's joke, it's supposed to be a social media joke. Uh, no, no, anyway, again, no, no. Digital, digital giggle. It's a social media show. That's a giggle. Uh, it is Friday. Okay. If you find today's offering any way engaging, I would like more of them. You're in luck. God love you. You can catch Philip's previous jokes and indeed our other shows by hopping on to the Let's Get Social podcast on Podbeam, iTunes, Spotify, and the Dublin South FM website. So as I always say, Speed through those in the first three minutes and you'll be grand. Unless you like a really good joke to be a party starter. Don't speed through. Okay. I know you're looking to get Christmas crackers. (laughs) I know you're working up towards that. Anyway, thankfully, I am not alone today. We have Joanne Sweetie, who is the CEO of the Public Sector Marketing Institute and Head of Digital Training Institute. With a career over 20 years, she does not look at in all forms of professional communications, from broadcast journalist to PR practitioner. You do need her services, Philip. Um, And digital marketer, podcaster, blogger and a two-time author. She works with the public sector agencies, governments, businesses, and media companies on digital transformation, digital marketing, and social media strategy. Wow. Mm-hmm. And she's the author of several books, such as Public Sector Marketing Pro, The Definitive Guide to Digital Marketing for Government and Public Sector. She's behind an amazing event, Public Sector Digital Marketing Summit, the number one digital marketing conference specifically for government and public sector. And a speaker on many international stages. And Joanna also has won quite a few awards too. So without further ado, can't you tell a joke as good as me? Probably better. Welcome to Let's Get Social, Joanne Sweeney. Hey guys, thank you so much for having me. And I'm rubbish at telling jokes. <laughs> oh, I am better. So at someone else. One thing. <laughs> so someone else. Yeah. Did you like the joke, Joanne? It was pretty good, wasn't it? It was good. Well, I was doing my curls on the beach this morning, but it's uh, the exercise kind. So, you know, right. it with me. <laughs> oh, I'm jealous. I'm jealous. You live near the beach, don't you? Yeah, you do. I do. I live near the beach and I train four mornings a week at seven uh, down <gasps> over Strand in Barna here in Galway. And I absolutely oh, beautiful. love it. Oh, wow. Wow. But at least the weather's nice at the moment. You know? yeah, go, yeah, go, go is my favourite place to hang out, I have to admit. It's um, a great place. It's a great yeah. place to live. I'm from Donegal, but I'm equally happy living here. Yeah. yeah. Well. So, Joanne, it's great to have you. Um, we're going to kick off and ask you, can you share with us how you came to be working with the public sector? Yeah, it's a great question. And previous to niching down in the public sector, I would have worked with organisations and businesses of all types. But the motivation to to niche down was actually my ambition to scale up. And you good digital marketers know that that is how you do it. You niche down to scale up. So I had an intention to do that. So it spent about a year trying to figure out what sector that I would focus my online business on. And really, when I looked back through my then almost 20-year career, It really focused on government and public sector because I was a journalist by trade. I was a a court reporter, a tribunal reporter, 
I did both of my masters in uh, policing communications. And I have a degree in politics and sociology, huge interest in that field. Mm -hmm. So it just kind of made sense. Um, Mm -hmm. I will say that I had a bit of imposter syndrome at the outset saying, how can I go into the sector? What gives me, you know, the the ability to do it? But in actual fact, you know, there wasn't there's not that many other people doing it. And I have a huge interest uh, for the sector and a, a huge passion for it. So. That's about four years now. And I can tell you that since I niched down, um, the business has certainly grown and that strategy has has proven to be a good one for me. It's a bit like they say, isn't it, um, that you wouldn't go to the GP for brain surgery? Well, it is. And, you know, mm. the thing about the Internet is there is no recession on the Internet mm-hmm. and there are people looking for goods and services all the time. But when mm-hmm. you put all of your efforts into one particular area, it just means that you. it's easier for you to create mm. that brand as a go-to. And now I hear my clients or groups that I'm working with introducing me as Joanne Sweeney, the specialist in public sector marketing, and that makes my heart smile. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, that's, that's lovely. Great. That was a really good decision because sometimes people can hem and haw, do I niche down, do I not? You know, sometimes, you know, you'd have maybe a little bit uh, a business that might want to focus maybe on the organic or vegan market. And they're a bit nervous about doing things like that. Um, uh, There's a local cafe to me. She she hemmed and hawed. She's a health store. She's opened up next door to, you know, and everything is vegan. And I have to say, it's it's amazing what she has on offer. So she as I say, she was like yourself, Joanne, a bit nervous and uh, she's making great guns at it. So. There is a lot to be said about niche and down. Very much so, yeah. Yeah, there absolutely is. And, you know, the the more that you get into it, the more return that you get because you just become a magnet for for really Mm. good clients and qualified clients. Mm -hmm. Because I'm sure what you found, Joanne, as well, is because you have become, like I suppose it really helps that you have a passion for the sector as well, but you've obviously will have established real learnings about the the nuances around the public sector, the decision-making process, et cetera, that allows you to then kind of go in and I suppose weave uh, your strategies to help them based on how they make decisions and their inner workings to a certain extent. Um, Would that be fair? Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely spot on, Philip, because You need to speak the language of your Mm. customer. You need to understand those nuances, as you say. And if you don't, you're not going to have that connection or that trust. And it's interesting. There's a Facebook executive who wrote a book review on my book, Public Sector Marketing Pro, after Mm. I'd spoken to government executives in Facebook in Dublin. And his review basically said, this is a book written in the language of communications for public sector. And he said, here at Facebook, we don't even use that language. And I said, yes, and that's why you're so disconnected from these verticals. And that's Mm -hmm. why they're hard to reach for you because you don't speak their language. And it doesn't matter whether it's public sector or whether it's Emer's example of, of vegans, you have to understand how decisions are made, what mm-hmm. motivates them, what inspires them, mm-hmm. and what what things trigger them to make, you know, ultimately buying decisions. So yeah, yeah. And, and I do have that from a twenty year career in, you know, being a journalist working yeah. in the floor and and just being really uh, at the centre of that sector. 
Yeah. Like, I suppose, Joanne, when it comes to social media right now, like, what are your thoughts on, on how effective it is in the public sector? So I would say that the it's so effective in the public sector, but they are not at the stage whereby the private sector is at as a as a generalized statement. I know this because I've done the studies, I've done the state of social media and the public sector report yeah, uh, yeah. on four different occasions, twice for Ireland, once for Australia and one for the USA. But it is effective. Why? Because the public are online and the public are now expecting a public sector experience Mm. similar to that of Apple, Netflix or Amazon. So they don't care that it's a government service. They care that they have a service that they want to access. And so from that point of view, it is effective. The second answer to that question is it's how committed and how willing public sector professionals are willing to lean into the power of social mm-hmm. and to really set themselves up for success because that can be a real challenge. Yeah. I'd well imagine, like I think, um, like myself and Emer, we would have worked and even engaged with public sector businesses, mm-hmm. but there's so many different departments and then you'd have one department who are oh, yeah. up for it, but then they may need to go to a different department and it's the wrong decision maker or the same app is appetite isn't there so i suppose you're right i think Mm. there's still a a steep sort of curve that obviously some of your skill and expertise will be able to help these organizations navigate one thing that really works for them is if they see their peers in another public sector organization yeah embracing tiktok or hosting twitter spaces their confidence builds so what i tend to focus my marketing on is, you know, the podcast, the Public Sector Marketing Show, is all about putting public sector pros at the centre of that to mm. let them share their successes. Again, with the summit, it's all about giving a stage to people who are working in that sector who've been successful because we all love to learn from our peers and that helps them overcome the yeah. fear of getting it wrong. Yeah. No, so like you were saying earlier about challenges, um, Joanne, you know, um, do you see there are still challenges with social media for organizations at this time, especially with COVID, I'm thinking? Yeah, I mean, there's a number of standout challenges. And one is the, the fear of getting it wrong, especially in from a public sector point of view. And you have to remember that people working in public sector, it is not their business. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if they make a mistake, you know, they worry about their job being on the line or they worry about them, you know, being pushed back from the front line of social or they worry about the public backlash mm-hmm. because it's very easy to criticize government and public sector. Right. We've all done it. Yeah. yeah. To, to make those sweeping statements and say, oh, the government's crap or that's poor decision making or I wouldn't do that. But, you know, we don't do that job. And the other thing to say about public sector is a lot of these people choose as a vocation. You know, mm-hmm. they go in and they stay for life and that is their intention that they can make um, a material difference in some area of, of, of life, of social justice issues or health or or policing. Um, and so the challenges are more about the culture of the organisation. It's more around the skill set. It's more around structure and process. That's my experience. All of those things you can absolutely overcome. Mm-hmm. And there are hundreds of them in Ireland doing great work. And again, I have them on mm-hmm. my report to see. So 
you know, the challenges are broad and many, but not insurmountable. Brilliant. I think maybe yeah. one of the challenges is, as I say, is the ever-changing face of social media, Philip yeah. uh, and Joanne. Like, for example, like audio is becoming big, you know, like yeah. Clubhouse come in or as a previous guest of ours called it Club Noise. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you have Twitter spaces, uh, Facebook are, are starting to bring out their audio um, and no doubt LinkedIn will as well. So maybe yeah. it's keeping up with all those would be one definite challenge. Yeah. yeah. A lot of them mightn't have big teams and mm-hmm. also social media is not just their job. Social media is often layered upon as an extra task. Yeah. The comms team, the press team, or even somebody working in customer service or operations. Mm-hmm. And, and actually, they're rarely the early adopters of new features or of new social networks. Mm-hmm. So I was able to find 26 TikTok accounts for Irish public sector agencies in my report at the end of 2020. And not all of them were active. They'd held their handle for their organization's name, but they hadn't actually posted. Mm. And so, whereas we will just jump in and try it because it might have a direct impact on our business or our bottom line, um, whereas they're a bit more considered. And the other thing is, if you don't have the capacity and the staff to manage these social networks, as you guys know, there's no point in being there. Because yeah. there's no worse than a social network that just has white noise. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, like something that no doubt you have seen, I know myself and Emer have seen it, is the, I suppose, the the massive impact. And you mentioned it there, uh, just uh, briefly there, um, Joanne, about the fact that public sector organisations and any organisation now realise that whether they like it or not the general public or the customer or the people that's going to be ultimately kind of wanting explanations or answers or solutions from them, they're all on social media. And it's the whole rise of social media, digital customer service has come to the Mm. fore. Um, Like for say a business, a public sector organization, you know, how do you um, generally approach, for example, where there may be a bit of backlash or this kind of complaints being raised um, on social, how how do you tend to kind of maybe advise how to deal with that engagement? That's a great question. And the first thing that I would advise to a a client in this scenario is what is your public engagement policy on social? Mm -hmm. You know, is it a place where people can get signposting for more information? Can they DM you to ask questions Or do you have a customer call center or is it strictly through email or phone call? So first of all, you need to establish your rules of engagement and that is offline and online. Secondly, you need to manage the public's expectation because the public won't get disappointed if they know that you don't respond on social, but they Mm. will get disappointed if they expect you to respond on social and you have promised it. Oh yeah. Mm. Third thing that I would say is that Don't be afraid of the negativity. I did a great interview with a guy called Tony Reno, the best name in the game, doesn't he? Tony Reno. Oh, yeah. It just rolls Mm. off the tongue, huh? Huh? Just like (laughs) Philip Twyford. No, it's like, what? (laughs) So he he did uh, an academic study. It's published in the McMaster Journal of Communication in Canada. And how we met is he referenced me in some of his work. Then we connected and I interviewed him. And 
it's a brilliant interview and he talks about the 1%. Mm. And, you know, you've, we've all got to ask ourselves, are we basing our digital marketing and social media strategy on the 1%? The 1% being the, the naysayers, aggressive, negative people who are more than just unhappy customers or unhappy citizens or feeling a bit detached. And, and that's what I see a lot of. I see a lot of paralysis because of fear, because of the fear of the negativity. But you've got to read Tony's research. And he says, by and large, it's the 1%. But who's then listening to the 99%? Mm-hmm. So if you're basing yeah. your strategy on the fear of backlash, you are serving 1% of your community. Yeah. And then the 99% have to suffer. And I just think it's a it's a brilliant um, piece of insight. And the fact that it's academic also helps as well. Um, yeah. And so that's what that's what I would advise. You know, don't base your strategy on the 1%. Serve them. Absolutely. And when somebody's negative online, there's a couple of reasons why. Number one, they don't feel heard. Number two, they're trying to access a public service that mm-hmm. they cannot access. Or number three, they have another ulterior motive, which could be politically driven. It could be yep. commercially driven, um, or they could just be a, a troll. Okay, which doesn't mm-hmm. have any more explanation. And so you really have to look at that negativity, and you really have to reach into the people that don't feel heard or that didn't get that service that they required because guess what the 99% are watching how you respond it's 100% because I think whether you like it or not you know I've seen it with charities etc who are posting the most heartwarming uplifting content yet there'll just be still someone who because they may have had an isolated experience Mm. um, with that organization or any they'll just feel like a keyboard warrior and go on you know and once again I think it's exactly Joanna as you said you know how you handle that and mm-hmm. how you demonstrate to your community that you know you want to um converse but take it offline etc so uh, I think it makes a huge amount of sense would you have a few tactics then when it comes to that then Joanne um because you know, it is a social platform, mm. you know, people are supposed to be social and uh, not don't ignore it would be number one, I would say. Is there mm. anything else you would advise? Yeah. So in my book, I talk about um, keeping a record of your FNCs. So mm-hmm. FNCs are almost like the opposite of FAQs, frequently asked questions, and they're frequent nasty comments. Oh, so good I one, would, actually. I would advise people to to document your FNCs and then to prepare what I call lines to take. So what is your line to take when somebody says, I got a terrible service from you and you didn't mm-hmm. respond in 48 hours? You know, don't leave it for people to make up their own mind why you didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, explain, be honest, or at least then have a company policy or a line that you give. And this is not about spin, right? This is about being truthful and honest and authentic because yeah, line that approach is best. So mm-hmm. the other thing about FNCs is that when people are frustrated and are not getting the communication that they need, we all do it as humans, right? I mean, I'm mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, I'm not perfect. But what FNCs will do for you is you will actually then see clearly the gaps in your communication. What content is missing from our website? You know, should we have a video series explaining? 
you know, the vaccine, for example, or why it's only 75% capacity on public transport right now, or the new regulations around, you know, the, the COVID digital passport. Mm-hmm. All of these things need to have communication and content. And when the public can't get it from the official source, they will go to a non-official source. And yeah. that's then where, where we have misinformation. Yeah, it's, it, it's excellent advice, you know, because I think a, a lot of people, and you've probably seen this as well, Joanne, that when you start off with an organization, whether it be even, say, a business that might not be public sector, but you'll probably have seen that from, say, policy when it comes to, you know, a social media activity, answering, you know, those sort of those queries, but even down to having a strategy in place as to how to use social a lot of times you've probably seen this where none of that documentation is there or developed to allow them to kind of kind of see how can they use social property to communicate their message and I suppose engage with their community. Would that be fair to say? Oh, it would absolutely. And you know, the whole thing about creating content is time consuming. And yeah. that's another hurdle because you know, now we need to create mobile video in like 15 second bursts that uh, are like TikTok loops. Now Mm -hmm. we need to be able to write for blog posts that are more than 300 words. We need to be video editors and if we're doing long form video content. And so the the content creation process can hamper the ability of staff in-house to get the message out. And again, sometimes I feel it's excuses because what gets prioritized gets done. But, you know, always in a crisis, it comes back to good communications or bad communications. Somebody Mm. didn't know, somebody took it up wrong or somebody spun a story. And so for me, as a communicator and as a storyteller, that's what it always comes back to. Who needs to know what and when and who's going to tell them and on what platform. And it's as simple as that, because guess what, guys, you know it as communicators, right? And as radio hosts. But today we're having a a conversation on a radio show that will become a podcast. Mm. But equally, we could converse on social media. We could, I could write a blog post about this. I've written books about it. It's just words on page or words from our mouth. And, And social in the world of digital they are simply new channels to reach people. Pre-digital, we newspaper, radio, TV, outdoor, magazines, trade publications, newsletters, parish newsletter, notice boards. Mm-hmm. People forget about that. They get kind of sucked into, you know, sexy objects on the yeah, internet. It's the holy grail nearly. Oh, yeah. Social is the answer to all my problems. Where Oh, yeah, yeah. And you're, you're so right. It's just another communication tool. So don't forget the other elements, you know, if mm. email or picking up the phone once a month with exactly. your clients. Yeah. Do that, you know. Um, like, I suppose, just to change tact very slightly, um, like, of all the social media channels, Facebook is always still a very popular channel. But we see myself and Emer that obviously, you know, more and more businesses and organizations are seeing less and less reach and the sort mm. of kind of that has gone completely pay for play. But, you know, in your experience, you know, is there any tips to to help increase potential reach with some organic posts? Yeah, it's a big challenge, isn't it? The more people that mm. join social, the less room there, there is for us for attention and eyeballs. Yeah. What I would say is... Um, be very strategic about what channel you choose because you could be everywhere and giving 10% to every channel. Yeah. You, you might choose the 90-10 rule saying, you know, I have a B2B audience, 
So I'm going to invest 90% of my time on LinkedIn, 10% on Twitter. So that's the very first point. Mm. In order to increase organic reach, leveraging the features that the social networks have is your best bet. Mm. You know, there's a reason that Instagram has stories, live streaming and IGTV and Reels. Mm. And know that they're prioritizing that video content now. And, you know, Matt Missouri said last week, you know, we're not just a photo sharing app anymore. And that was just a, a nod to the fact that they want their users to use more video. So mm-hmm. I would, I'm always looking at what the social networks are doing because I know that if you use their features, they'll give you bias and that will help organic reach. Yeah. The other tip is look at what existing content is getting most engagement. And that's yeah. just your audience signaling to you that they like it. Everything that we do online has to be tested. Like I could give, you know, a whole hour of tips, but your listeners have to go and test what I say. Oh, I agree. Totally agree, yeah. Look at the results and then go, actually, Joanne, that didn't work for me. It might work for you, but it doesn't work for me. And that's the thing. I have to, I was going to say, Juan, I, I get amazed that anyone that I'm, you know, I would be doing sessions with and I go, when was the last time you checked your insights? And they go, uh, they just can't give a timeline, you know, and they don't actually go in. I think they just post and hope, <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah. and, uh, and then I go, you have to engage back as a business, you know, as well. Yeah. It's um, important, you know. Yeah, um, so I, I agree with you. Like looking and see what works, and if it doesn't work, don't do many more of it. Um, yeah. And yeah, then testing, safe, testing yeah. is so key, you know. It really yeah. is. I mean, there is Philip now. He's been leveraging the old reels with his yeah. old kickboxing. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I'd be probably leveraging the services of a chiropractor fairly soon, you know, if, if I continue. <laughs> but you find your engagement went up with reels, didn't you? Well, it is exactly to your point there, Joanne, because mm. Instagram are really wanting to highlight people who are putting a bit of effort into reels and that whole video content. Mm. I was getting a lot more engagement on my reels than I might do on posts or the post that came after a reel mm-hmm. got engagement. But you're spot on, Joanne, about testing, because I will notice that I could test different times on Instagram and suddenly find that, well, if I post at 330 on either a Thursday or a Tuesday, mm-hmm. I'll always get better engagement than I will on a Monday or a Wednesday. So once again, as you were saying, looking at the insights using the inbuilt analytics, but exactly it's mm-hmm. down to, as you said, Joanne, testing everything from the type of content, imagery, video, what you post, how you post it. And what and jokes you tell, because they're very testing. <laughs> well, they are. And mm-hmm. yeah, the reach in those is is dramatically failing <laughs> so we might need to look at the drawing board <laughs> i'm saying nothing i'm saying yeah. nothing yeah. um but um joanne i was gonna say going forward from that like you know when you you're checking out the features and your insights um you also analyze some social media activity from 50 of the top performing agencies which i'm really interested to hear about um what did you learn from that study um and what was was there things that surprised you So what I learned was that um, the engagement rates of public sector um, are a little bit under private sector, but Mm. they're outliers in some areas. So, for example, on Twitter, their engagement is higher than Mm. average than private sector. And that probably makes sense because Twitter is about news, politics, policy. Yeah. Yeah. So they perform really well there. 
Mm-hmm. Um, they also get high engagement rates on Instagram, which is a huge signal that their audience expect them to be there. And mm-hmm. that's like, give us more. What was interesting is that I, I did the comparison between Ireland, the US and Australia. Australia is a bit of an outlier in terms of having higher average engagement rates. But the US and Ireland are almost like a dead heat. And mm. so, yeah. And so what I found now is that I can say that public sector on social media right across the world is very, very similar. Same mm. challenges, same opportunities, and also a very, very similar approach. Um, and because these studies didn't exist, and I'm dealing with public sector pros, they kept asking me, how do we compare? And so I said, well, nobody else is doing the research. I'm going to do it. Um, the other thing that I found is they're not early adopters on Instagram, still very low uptake of Instagram, mm. um, not even um, touching TikTok, comfortable on Twitter, comfortable on Facebook um, and using YouTube sparingly. That leaves me to say, guys, you've got a lot of opportunity there. <laughs> a lot of opportunity. Yes. Yeah, it was, it was a massive piece of work that you did. And obviously, congratulations on, mm. on undertaking that that work, because I think I, I think it's provided some insights that I think would be of such value to the public sector, you know, yeah. and, and almost to a certain extent, because you were so ingrained in it, you, you'll be able to see things that potentially are maybe happening in America or some innovative stuff in Australia you could bring across. You know? And I was going to say, they probably actually didn't realise half of this and probably went, do you know what? We need to up our game here. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Um, like something that we wanted to compliment you on, Joanne, obviously is your your website, which is mm-hmm. tr- such a resource of incredible information and the user experience on it is fantastic and we would definitely recommend anyone check it out. Um, mm-hmm. But something that you have really well on your site is is the content quality and it's a great mix of long-form content, um, video, downloadables. There is this debate going on in social about, oh, we need more bite-sized content. People want, you know, a couple of minutes or a five-minute read. But in your view and this may be skewed by a different organization, is long-form content dead or does it still have a place in your social strategy? Well, first of all, thanks for the compliments. It's great to have other, your peers look at your website because you know yourself, you're looking at your own website and you can't have an objective view. So I'm glad to hear that. Um, no I don't believe long-form content is dead. And I'll tell you why. It's because I am always conscious of the Google impact and that mm. Google impact being search. Yeah. Google's mm-hmm. still the number one search engine. YouTube's the second biggest search engine. So optimization for video is really important. And I I will get a lot of my international leads from Google. And so mm. that's why I'm committed to long form content. And even only in the last month, I had an outreach from a lady in Hong Kong who wow. was searching for uh, somebody who specialized in government and social media. She found me. She yes. then went to my LinkedIn account, obviously had a look at what bite-sized content I was putting out, then connected with me. Mm-hmm. Then we had a Zoom call, and now I'm going to be uh, addressing um, her client in, in Hong Kong in, in September. Wow, that's brilliant. That's congratulations. That, that came from search. That yeah. came from a Google search. Google found me five years ago. 
on Google. They were looking for new trainers. And mm. again, then their agency reached out to me on LinkedIn. And you see, the thing about it, Philip, is that long-form content positions you as the expert that you want to be mm. known for. Yeah. You know, we can all tweet. We can all post. But if you're really committed and you want to make inroads, mm. you've got to be committed to the long-form content because that sets you apart. Yeah. And people, and, and I know my sector, they're lurkers. Yes. They're not, not going to, you know, like everything. They're not going to, no. they're not going to leave comments, but they are lurking and they're mm-hmm. working. And when they're ready, they email me and their decision is already made. Yeah. And that's, that's what yeah. content has, has given. And I'll, as you would agree, probably it backs up your, your knowledge, your, your expertise shows that you're the right person. Yeah, no, I, absolutely. Know? And I think Joanne, you're right. I think, I think this is, Definitely, what I've seen in the Irish psyche is that lurker mentality is is mm-hmm. is huge. Um, just very quickly, Joanne, in, in case some of our listeners are not wondering, like, how do you define long form content? Is that like a, a two thousand word blog post, for example? So that's a great question. And what how I define it is, um, as an article, Google requires three hundred words, um, sure. as a minimum. Um, mm-hmm. but if you get to 300 words, that's okay. If you want an epic blog post, you're right, Philip, you're getting to that 1,500, 2,000 mm. words, but you don't need to do those all the time. Yes. In terms of video, I would say maybe seven minutes on YouTube, for example, could be long-form content. Yeah. Um, and then you've got podcasting, which is other long-form content. Of course. Um, and what I do is my weekly show is a 35-minute show that's on YouTube and Facebook on a Wednesday. It's a podcast on a Thursday. It becomes a blog post on a Friday. And then it becomes social content right throughout the week. So I start with one single piece of content. But I get to hit every search engine and I get to hit every social network. And that's the smart way to do content creation. Yeah, you're repurposing essentially a piece mm. of content into multiple forms, which is brilliant because... Yeah, because it drives it back to the original maybe to start yeah. with. It, you know, not everybody would maybe listen to a podcast, but they might actually watch the video with Juwan, as you say, yeah. or prefer to read the blog um, if you've maybe tweeted out about something on that. Absolutely. Yeah. We, all, we all have personal preference. My personal preference for content is actually audio. I don't read many books, but I... I buy mm. audio books and I love listening to audio even on YouTube and on podcasts. And so when you can serve an audience in a different way, yeah, it gives you more opportunity, you know? I'd be a YouTube girl. I, I know I, I go how, how to make a cake. cake. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's, a, it's a long running saga. Uh, how did to, I know you were going to say that? <laughs> how did I know that? You know? But I think I think what what's nice about that particular point there, Joanne, is that for business listening today or even public sector agencies mm-hmm. or people where they work in the public sector, I think it takes away the fear of, oh my God, how am I going to produce all this content? Whereas if you say blogging was your thing, but you've created a 1500 word blog post that then you could turn into bite-sized pieces for, for Twitter or Instagram posts, or you maybe turn it into a video or a podcast or whatever that from that one piece of pillar content, you have suddenly five or six other additional pieces of content that you're not having to reinvent the wheel to a certain mm-hmm. extent. Oh, absolutely. And it just means that you're working more strategically. You're working yeah. smarter, not harder. Yeah. And 
even doing a bit of keyword research. And if you don't have any tools, all I mean by, so let's say you want to write an article about, you know, I don't know, veganism and, you know, what, I don't know, what, what cakes people are, are buying, put mm. that, put that search phrase into Google and put it into YouTube and see what surfaces, see who's owning the first five results on Google, the first five results on YouTube, look at the title of their article or their video. And there you have it. That should yeah. be your title. You're not plagiarizing. Yeah. You are just simply creating content that is searched by people who should find you. And, and Google is actually giving you those suggested, yeah, um, suggested results yeah, yeah, as well as related results. That's it, which is you perfect. Know? Yeah. 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 Um, Joanne, we don't want to keep you all day, but I'd love to have you here all day. Um, because you might come back really- again. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's loads that we can talk about. So we'll have to get you back. Oh, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> um, can you maybe, um, I know, you know, you're focused on the public sector, um, but maybe this is advice across the board. Um Is there anything that you can advise regarding building trust with social customer service? Because sometimes people, as you say, they'd expect a reply straight away. um, And sometimes you can't do that. You know, if you had bad service, say, for example, Philip bought himself a new bicycle pump and it wasn't working very well. And he goes on and starts giving out about it or whatever. Um, No doubt you have done, Philip. I don't know. My pump Um, isn't working. (laughs) My pump is not working. (laughs) But... um, is there is there anything you you could advise uh, going forward for people? Yeah, don't don't ignore the negative feedback. Write down what your rules of engagement are, um, yeah. and respond to positive and to negative reviews. Work on your social signals. So Google and the social networks love social proof. So encourage Facebook reviews. Get Google reviews. Make sure mm. you Google my business setup. Yeah. Get recommendations on LinkedIn. And then when, because listen, it's inevitable for all of us that a negative or an unhappy uh, customer response comes in, make sure you respond to it. Also, try and take an unhappy customer offline as quickly as possible. Yeah, yeah. Something like DM me um, and I'll give you a call in the next 30 minutes. Because what you've just done is you've just shown everybody else who's watching the lurker mm-hmm. that you do take complaints seriously and that you are going to call that person. If somebody continues to rant and um, going down this kind of slander defamation route, you know, you could then make a decision at some stage whether to mute or block or hide their comments. But do not do that as your primary strategy, because yeah. that is not a good look. You know, yeah. try and show up. And because the people watching might come in and, and back you up and say, well, you know, Philip, your pump didn't work, but I bought one last week and I got great customer service. Mm. Yeah, you were so, just unfortunate. Just unfortunate, exactly. So, no, it's, I think that's um, that's perfect advice, I think. Uh, yeah. Because how you appear to the rest of your community, your mm-hmm. advocates will will come in the back and support you where someone is unjust. Yeah, because sometimes you'd see in community forums, like especially mm-hmm. like if it's, uh, you know, like a, a town Facebook group or whatever, yeah. they'd all be saying, oh, I got these really terrible comments and I don't know how to delete them. Can I delete them? And no, don't delete them. You know, stand up and, and, you know, see what you can do to turn it around, you know. Exactly. Um, um, Joanne, it has been uh, um, an actual uh, mirror of incredible information that you have given yes. us today. It's been tremendous um, and it's fantastic to hear about the success, deservedly so, that you're, you're getting within mm-hmm. the niche, um, etc. Do you have any, as we 
we could sort of come to a close. Do, do you have any projects or events coming up you'd like to tell us about? And where ultimately would you like people to go and find out more about you? Yes. So thank you so much for having me on your show. Congratulations on your two-year anniversary. Thank I you so much. And I think having come from uh, the radio sector and working with the radio sector in Ireland, um, I think you guys have just found yourselves your own niche. So keep going. Thank you so much. Um, you'll find me at publicsectormarketingpros.com. That's my public sector audience. Brilliant. If you're not public sector, you can go to digitaltraining.ie. And I have the Public Sector Digital Marketing Summit coming up in September. It's online this year, Fantastic. the 22nd and Great. 3rd. And also my podcast, it's the Public Sector Marketing Show. It's mm-hmm. a, a YouTube show on a Wednesday, as I said, and it's on Facebook but you can also catch it on your favorite podcast platform. So thank you so much for allowing me to give myself a wee plug. <laughs> oh, listen, no, I were delighted that you're, you know, because you're so busy and I was there going, I wonder will we be able to get her, Philip? Yeah, well, we were lucky. Yeah. It's, it's our pleasure. To, it's always great well, to yeah. interview. I'm never um, too busy for a conversation, guys. Listen, good. Or a really bad joke. <laughs> or a really bad joke. <laughs> this is about people, right? And connections. Yeah. yeah. Strip it all back. We, we can't exist on our own. We, we need a network. So I'm I'm honoured and I'm very grateful that you guys have me on the show. Thank you. Same um, to you. Same to you. Big time. Well, I suppose um, on that note, all I have mm-hmm. to say is that if you did enjoy today's show, you can catch it again on the other shows on the Let's Get Social Show podcast on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and of course on the Dublin South FM website. So do please download and subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And all that is left to say is I've been Philip Toy for The Curly Marketer. And I've been Eber Duffy of Fit Social Media. And we'll see you again soon for more Let's Get Social. See you then. Bye.